Well, thank you so much, our choir, our praise team, and all of you are joining in in worship this morning. Thank you so much for taking a part. If you brought your Bibles, we want to look first at Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, a familiar passage. I'm going to be sharing about the importance of baptism, the importance of baptism. We were blessed to, to observe the ordinance of baptism this morning, and so I thought it would be fitting, quite fitting, to speak to you on the subject of baptism. A lot of people have different ideals about what baptism is, what baptism's for, and so I think the best thing to do is just maybe take God's word and let him speak to us. If you would, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. God's word says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. And now, if you will, look to Romans chapter 6, our main text. Romans chapter 6, and we'll look at verses 1 through 7. Romans 6, 1 through 7. Romans 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Jesus began his earthly ministry by being baptized. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by giving the Great Commission. There in Matthew 28, Go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then make disciples. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with Yahweh, even to the end of the earth. And so in essence, Jesus was giving the church a command to be baptized. Go ye therefore, evangelize, baptize, and disciple. Now... In essence, he was given the church command to be baptized. Now, if a person claims to be a Christian, now when you say Christian, that person who's been 
some synonyms. Been born again, person who's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, uh, that person who's been saved. So if a person claims to be a Christian and is not baptized, generally they, have, they fall into one of perhaps five categories. Let me mention those. So first, if you're taking notes, the first category of why people make excuses about being baptized, the first is ignorance. Ignorance. Now, the person who's never been taught about baptism uh, or the importance of baptism, or they may have been taught wrong about baptism. If they were christened, as a, a baby for salvation, or if they were sprinkled as a baby, thinking that was scriptural baptism, uh, they were taught wrong. And we'll see what the Bible says about that. But let me just say that the Roman Catholic Church adopted sprinkling for the mode and the method of baptism. But prior to the 13th century, you had baptismal poos in all churches. And then after the 13th century, the Roman Catholics changed, and they began to sprinkle. But nowhere is sprinkling taught in the Bible as a form of baptism. And so, first of all, a person that refuses to be baptized really does that, perhaps out of ignorance. Uh, they, they, the person uh, uh, never has been taught about baptism, or they were taught wrong about baptism. The second excuse is pride. Pride hinders a person from being baptized. Some people have, a lot, have allowed a lot of time to go from the time they made a profession of faith, and time went on and on and on, and they never followed the Lord's example in believers' baptism. They named the name of Christ. They even served in the church. But they think it would be embarrassing since they waited so long to come and request baptism. And so because of pride. Then there's number three, indifference. Indifference. Some people just can't find a good time. I mean, they're just too, they're too busy, but oftentimes they're just too indifferent to the Lord's command. And then number four, I jotted down, some are just defiant. They're rebellious. They're just not going to do it. They just refuse to obey. And usually these people are living a life of sin and they would have to live in hypocrisy if they were to give a testimony of their faith in Christ. So they're just not going to be baptized. I'd rather live the way I'm living than to be baptized and live like a hypocrite. And number five, it's possible that a person who refuses to be baptized is unregenerate. They're not a true Christian. So the point is, they just don't want to identify with Jesus. So first you have excuses of why people are not baptized. Now let's look at what baptism is. What is baptism? Now, in the Greek language, there are three very important words that's used to refer by some as baptism. Let me mention those words to you. The first is epikeo, that means to pour. To pour. To pour water. Then you have rehetsio, that means to sprinkle. Some people refer to baptism as pouring on water. Some refer to baptism as sprinkling. And then the third word is baptizo, Greek word, baptizo, all these Greek words. And that baptizo means to immerse 
put under. Now this is very important because in the Bible, now remember this, in the Bible, baptism always refers to immerse in water. Always. You'll never find epikeo, the poor, or the rehatio, the sprinkle. Never refers to baptism. But baptizo in the Bible always refers to immerse. Simply put, baptism is a ceremony in which a person is immersed in water. You, you saw that example just a few minutes ago. So baptism means to dip completely. It means, it's a Greek word really for drowning, go completely under. And so the Latin equivalent is immersio or submersio, submerge, where we get the English word submerge. Uh, the English word immerse. So therefore, baptism is a Christian ceremony where a Christian is being immersed in water. And the point is the person believes the gospel, they're saved, and then they're immersed in water. Notice the order. They're saved, then they're immersed in water. Now remember the Greek word for the English word baptism is baptizo, which means immerse. However, in 1611, when King James of England was going to have a Bible translated from Greek to English, the scholars he hired came to this Greek word, baptizo, immerse in English, but the king didn't believe in immersion. They kind of had a problem because he believed in the tradition of sprinkling. So therefore, to keep the king from being embarrassed... Um, the scholars decided not to translate the word. They just left the Greek word in its place, baptizo. Instead of translating it in English, immerse. Now the point is, baptizo is an untranslated word, meaning that it was taken from one language, put into another language without translation. Just picked it up out of the Greek text, put it in the English text, as baptizo. Didn't translate it as immerse. And so you have reasons why people don't get baptized. You have the definition of baptism, which is immerse, to put under. Now, what's the meaning? What's the message? The message of baptism. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now listen real close, because you're, you're going to be asked, if there's, any, if there's any discussion, theologically, people gather together, oftentimes baptism comes up. So listen real close, because this is the key to understanding baptism. Now, when we were saved... We died to the old way of life. Look at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When we were saved, we died to the old way of life. Now, now Christian, listen, I'm going to share... Your, your biography as a Christian. 
past, present, and future. First of all, baptism is a biography of your past. Look at chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. You've been buried. You have been buried with Jesus Christ by baptism. When you were baptized, you were buried under the water. Baptism is a picture of a grave. And you were buried under the water. There was a funeral. You died to your old self. And so baptism is a picture of a funeral. You were buried under the water. When I got baptized at Rockwood Baptist Church, it was a funeral of the old Sammy Taylor. There was only one that mourned that, that day at that funeral, and that was the devil. Because he knew that I'd accepted Christ and been saved, and he didn't have me anymore. I died to sin. Sin didn't have power and control over me. So when I got baptized, it was a funeral. That old Sammy died, and I was buried. And so let me just share a side note with you. You get saved. You're baptized. Now, this is why you shouldn't be baptized before you're saved. Some people just uh, they'll say, I'm going to be baptized. They never talk about salvation. But you get saved, then... You're baptized. I mean, uh, it would be kind of like having your funeral before you died if you were baptized and never had gotten saved. And so the sad thing, there are many today who've been baptized but who've never died to their own ways. They've had the funeral, but they've never been saved. And you have that in churches today. So baptism is a symbol that your old life has died. It's dead. But at the same time, it connects you to the death of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. The point is, Jesus took your sins, carried them to the cross, suffered and died there on the cross, bearing your sins in his own body on that cross. And when he died, you died with him because of your faith in him. The point is, baptism is your funeral of your old self, your old life. Baptism's a picture of your old self going to the grave. So it's a biography of your past, but it's also a biography of your present. Romans 6 tells us that Christ was raised from the dead, so we should walk in newness of life. And that presents the reality, a present reality for all believers. You need to be walking in newness of life. The point is, here's the point. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Uh, this morning I baptized Trent and Erica and Karina, and I baptized them in a watery grave, buried in the likeness. You hear me say that up there? I, I baptize you in the likeness of his death, but you're raised in the likeness of what? His resurrection. So they were raised in the likeness. They were buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You didn't stay in the grave, but you came up and out as a new person. The point is, you now walk in a new life. 
The old is gone, the new has come. You're risen to walk a new life in Christ. And so the message of baptism, biography of your past, connected with the death of Christ, he died, you died. A biography of the present, you're connected with his resurrection. You know the difference between submerge and immerse? When you submerge something, it goes down, and it may not come up. But when you immerse, you go down, and you come back up. And so as a believer, you were buried in the likeness of his death, but you came back up to walk in a new life in Christ Jesus. And so you have the biography past, the present, and then you have of the future. Paul said, since we've been planted... Ever heard that word used? Oh, we planted him out there in the cemetery. That's scriptural. Paul, you're planted. Paul said, Paul said, since we've been planted or buried like him in death, we shall be raised like him in the resurrection. So one day I'm going to be planted. Not out here, but we've for, for years, uh, 47 years, I guess, we've had plots at KP Cemetery in Russell. One, that's where my parents are planted or buried. We have lots there. Some of you have lots somewhere else, some here. That's where we'll be planted, but we shall be raised like him in the resurrection. Someday I'm going to be planted, buried in a grave, but according to the scripture, according to truth, there's no grave going to hold this body down. I'm going to be raised like him. And that's the message of baptism. I've died to sin. Sin no longer controls me. I've been raised in a new life in Christ Jesus. Why do people, why people aren't baptized? What is baptism? What's the message? The Bible? Let me close with this. What's the motive? Why do we do it? Why should I be baptized, Brother Sammy? Well, some say you're baptized to be saved. Is that the reason? Is that what saves you? No. Uh -uh. Ephesians 2, verse 8, 9 and 10 says this. For by grace are you saved. It's God's grace. Through faith, through believing in Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. If you had to do anything for it, it would no longer be a gift. It would be something you earned. Salvation's a gift. So, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, least any man should boast. Now, there are two theories about salvation, and only one's right. First of all, you have a theory that salvation by grace through faith. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. Ephesians 2, 8, verse 9. Verse 10 says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus or unto Christ Jesus for good works. And so there are two theories about salvation. One saved by grace. The other one saved by ordinance. Example, I believe you've got to be baptized to be saved. That's an ordinance. Some today believe you must be baptized to be saved. That's referred to as baptism regeneration. It's what regenerates you. 
Also, baptism for the remission of sins. You'll hear that used. Now listen. When you see baptism as salvation, then salvation becomes a, what's known as a sacerdotal, uh, sacerdotal salvation. Meaning that your salvation requires the presence of another person and the performance of another person. You understand? Sacerdotal salvation. Your salvation, if it's baptism, requires the presence of another person and the performance of another person. It requires someone to administer that ordinance. Therefore, your salvation is dependent on someone else and what someone else does. And if that's the case, a man that's lost in a desert, hundreds and hundreds of miles from anyone, dying of thirst, cannot be saved. Plane falling from the sky, loaded passengers, fall under conviction near death. Call out to God to be saved. They can't be saved. They can't be saved if it's sacerdotal salvation. A submarine full of sailors, water all around them, surrounded them. They can't be saved. They can't be saved. The Bible teaches that anybody, any place who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 verse 13. Not that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus and is fortunate enough to be near water and fortunate enough to have a preacher around of my denomination shall be saved. Bible don't say that. No whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what's the motive? First, to identify with Christ publicly. If you've, if you've made a profession of faith, you need to identify with Christ, and you do that through baptism. Doesn't make you a Christian, but it demonstrates whose you are. I'm identifying with Christ. You know, my wedding ring doesn't uh, make me married, but it shows to you that I am married, and I'm not ashamed of who I'm married to. I love Judy very much. We've got 49 coming up in January. If she don't decide something different. <laughs> I'm satisfied. I'm not going to talk to her about anything. But, uh, but I belong to Judy, and I'm not ashamed of it. So baptism identifies us with Christ. Baptism portray, uh, portrays, or portrays, your uh, conversion to Christ. We want others to know. Man, you can't wait to be baptized after you say. And then third, you've been obedient to the command of God. We want to be baptized. I want to be obedient. Baptism is the first step of obedience in a Christian's life. If you are not obedient in baptism, more than likely you won't be obedient in anything else. Reading your Bible, prayer time, whatever it might be. So baptism is an outward expression of an inward experience of a person being born again. What hinders you from being baptized? This morning, some of you may be struggling. You may, you know, I've had people to tell me, say, listen, I'm afraid of water. 
we've walked through the dry baptistry before. And, and I tell them, listen, God, God wouldn't ask you to be baptized if he thought it hurt you. I've never lost one and since been here. You're going to be okay. But some people are afraid. And so some people don't want to be, you're going to be okay. I promise you, God's going to take care of you. It'll be, the, it'll be an experience you'll never forget having been saved. You need to follow through with that. What hinders you from being baptized? Well, it may be that you've never been saved. So I pray today that you'll come today, turning from sin, turning to a Savior, and believing that Christ came. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, stayed in the grave three days, came up out of the grave, had so many witnesses, hundreds of witnesses, ascended to the Father, and we're waiting for him to come back. And so I pray that you'll be saved. Pride, profess but never followed through, that's a hindrance. Indifference to the Lord's command, ignorance, just really didn't understand it to this morning, Brother Sam, you didn't think it was that important. It's important. It doesn't save you. It doesn't. You go to heaven without being baptized, you're saved because of what Jesus did, not what a person does performing some type of ceremony or ordinance. But today, I pray that you'll make one good choice, and one good choice can do away with all bad choices. I pray today that you'll follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence for each person here today. I thank you for what we witnessed to begin this service. I pray for Trent, and I pray for Erica and Karina and as they begin their walk with you. I thank you for their testimony, public testimony, as so many others have, my goodness, all over the world, coming to you and being obedient in believer's baptism. Thank you for giving us a clear understanding today. And so, Father, I pray for each person here. For those who have never trusted you, I pray today would be their day of salvation. I pray that they would come and just say, Brother Sammy, I won't be saved. We'll have an opportunity to talk after everyone leaves. I pray for believers who have made confession but have never followed through, that today that they would come and request to follow through. Thank you, Lord, for for your word. Thank you for the book of Romans and knowing that uh, when you died, we died. When you arose, we arose to a new life through the symbol of baptism. We'll be planted one day, but just like you came forth from the grave, we're going to come forth from the grave. And so, Father, thank you for allowing us to see all of that in baptism. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name.